You're listening to a Los Angeles Sports Nation production, enhancing your Los Angeles sports fan experience. All right, everyone. So welcome back to episode eight of the Mob Squad Pod. Uh, this is going to be another amazing, eventful crossover episode. Uh, we actually have Kevin Lapka of Bears Nation podcast joining us, uh, obviously from Chicago Sports Nation. So we're going to be doing a little discussion here about the NFC North. Um, I've got Aaron Stevens with me as always, Manny Chang with me as always. And Kevin, thanks for joining us. How you doing? Yeah, pleasure to be with you guys. Uh, let's let's have a fun time here talking about the NFC North. Obviously, the Bears do play the Rams this year, so I'm sure we'll get into that. But uh, excited yeah. to be with you guys, and uh, let's have a good conversation. Absolutely. And uh, before we get started, uh, I want to give you a chance just to you know plug your stuff a little bit. So tell us, you know, where we can find you on social media, when you guys release your episodes, and all that good stuff. Yeah, so I'm a host for Bears Nation podcast, obviously under the same umbrella company as you guys, um, Webgren Enterprises, that is. You can find me at KevCharles112, that's my Twitter handle, and uh, Bears Nation Pod is the podcast Twitter handle, so if you guys want to check that out, um, we are on there posting about twice a week, uh, we'll do episodes once a week, now during the off season, uh, when we're in season, we'll do it twice a week, but uh, that's all I got for plugging the stuff, so check that out, Bears Nation Pod, if you guys would like. Awesome. Great. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and get started with the Detroit Lions, uh, which for, I guess, for all intents and purposes, in my opinion, they're kind of the Cleveland Browns of like the NFC. That's just how I've always, <laughs> that's just how I've always viewed them. Um, they had a little period there under Jim Caldwell where they were actually doing pretty decent and they had some winning seasons um, and things were looking up, but then they decided to go another direction and now they've had Matt Patricia as their head coach for uh, two seasons now. Uh, last year didn't go so well. They finished 3-12 and and 1. They've managed to get a tie in there, which is pretty Cleveland Browns, if you ask me. So I, I still think my analogy stands. Uh, they only had the three wins. Uh, their offense scored uh, 21 points per game, which was 18th out of uh, 32 teams. Their defense was 26 out of 32 in points per game. So you would think the defensive mastermind, supposedly, that Matt Patricia is, uh, the defense would at least be decent, and that hasn't proven to be the case. Um, just right off the bat, Kevin, I'll ask you, what's your interpretation of these Lions under Matt Patricia compared to the Lions under Jim Caldwell? Well, I'm not a huge Matt Patricia fan. I don't I don't think he's the right coach for that team. Uh, it's just you see what goes on over there, and it's not the right fit. But with that being said, the Lions this year do have a lot of talent, and they're kind of being overlooked, in my opinion. You know, everyone's so easily putting them away fourth in the NFC North just because of what they've done in the past and what they have in place there and what they did last year. But it, it shouldn't be that simple to put them at fourth. I mean, you, you saw them go 2-0-1 to start the season last year. They're off to a hot start. They almost beat the Kansas City Chiefs at home. And then Matthew Stafford goes down, and then that, that throws their season away. So people are kind of you know, underestimating the Lions. Now, the one questionable move they made in the offseason was they traded Darius Slay and they drafted Jeff Okuda with a third overall pick. So it's not, you don't, you don't gain much there because you trade away an established, one of the better quarter uh, cornerbacks rather in the NFC. And then you draft a rookie who could be just as good, but it's it, it, there's no addition to it. It's you, it's a replacement. So 
you know, the Lions do have talent, and I'll, I'll tell you guys where I put them in our later predictions in the end. But, you know, they're being heavily overlooked, in my opinion. Um, I don't think they're a playoff team, but definitely I don't think last in the NFC North. I'll tell you that. Okay. Um, I will agree with you that I don't think Matt Patricia is the right guy uh, from what I've seen the past two seasons. And we've also heard some stories and some rumblings um, I think it was just this past offseason where te- the players that have left have said um, a lot of disparaging things, a lot of negative comments coming about playing in Detroit, not wanting to be in Detroit anymore. So it certainly sounds like uh, the players themselves aren't buying in. And we kind of touched on this in our last episode with Matt Luffy, where there seems to be this Bill Belichick coaching tree failure where all these guys that come from the Belichick tree for whatever reason don't seem to really succeed other than maybe Mike Vrabel right now. I guess you could point to him as being the most successful of that, um, of that tree, but Matt Patricia certainly doesn't seem to be head coach material, at least right now. Um, and as you had noted, they did start off to, uh, they had a promising start to their season. They did start, um, two Oh and one. So it was looking like they were on the up and up. Uh, however, after that, they did lose 12 of their last 13 games and they were mathematically eliminated from the postseason following a Thanksgiving Thanksgiving day loss to your Chicago bears. Um, and I think we would all agree that losing Matthew Stafford was a huge reason why, uh, Matthew Stafford, I think, is definitely one of the top quarterbacks in the league. So mm. I think we would all agree losing him was definitely a huge reason for that. Um, speaking to some of the additions that Kevin had mentioned, um, a couple of names that they brought in that I'll mention here. And Manny, you can correct me on this name because mm-hmm. I know you're going to know who this is. Um, the uh, offensive tackle, Vitae, you want to pronounce his first name for me? Vitae Tiavialoa. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so he's, he's actually coming over from the Eagles. He signed for yeah. five years and $45 million. Um, Jamie Collins is coming over from the Patriots, three years and $30 million. Uh, so it looks like Patricia is still trying to do that New England thing where he's just bringing in New England guys to, I don't know, start another New England in Detroit. Um, also bringing in Chase Daniel from your Chicago Bears, Kevin. Uh, if Matthew Stafford isn't able to start the season or if you think that there's another injury at some point during the season, do you have faith in Chase Daniel that he can come in and win some games? Chase Daniel is your ultimate backup quarterback. He's actually a wizard for accumulating as much money as he has in the NFL. I mean, it's quite unbelievable. I think he's only started, you know, a handful of games in the league and he's had an, made an unbelievable amount of money. But no, you're not getting anything special of Chase Daniel. Can he win you a game with the right pieces around him? Yes. And the Lions do have good offensive weapons. They have Kenny Galladay. They have Marvin Jones. They have a solid running back Cornell with DeAndre Swift. Um, and you know, Chase Daniel can come in and be serviceable. He's not exciting, but he's, I would say a top five, top 10 backup quarterback in the league. So, you know, hopefully if you're a Lions fan, you don't have to see him, uh, touch the field, but if he does, it's not an automatic loss. You're not feeling confident about the game, but you know, he he can bring you in. He did it last year for the bears. He did it the year before. So, uh, one and one in his past two years with the bears. So he, he certainly can get you a win. Backup quarterbacks are certainly a 
special kind of breed where if you can come in and just be like serviceable or win one game, you can like secure your future for the next couple of years. And yeah. I agree with you that uh, he's probably the epitome of a backup quarterback because uh, in my opinion, Chase Daniel is one of those guys that can come in and like for one week, he can kind of like give you that spark and, and give you a win. And then the next week after you're done singing his praises and, and getting your hopes up, you are like, oh, my God, why why do we have this guy on the roster? Um, but he he's continuing the trend. He signed for another three years and 13 million. So um, it looks like Detroit's investing, you know, the short term future backup quarterback job uh, to him. Uh, the Lions also brought in Danny Shelton, defensive tackle from the Patriots. Again, another Patriots guy. Uh, they also brought in Desmond Trufant, cornerback from the Falcons. So like Kevin had mentioned, the Lions are doing what they can. I guess you can't really accuse them of not trying. They are trying to bring in talent. So if they do lose, I wouldn't say it's because of the lack of talent. Um, and if you look at the departures that the team has had, they really haven't lost too many key guys. Um, the trade of Darius Slay. Um, Kevin had noted, I would definitely say that's um, that's going to be a hole, but um, I'll get to Jeff Okuda in a second. They also lost Ashawn Robinson, um, as we know, to the Rams. He's now a Ram. So other than that, they really didn't lose anybody major. Uh, so I'll go ahead and just go to Jeff Okuda now. And I don't know how much of a college football guy you are. It's not my specialty, uh, Kevin, but I'll ask you. Uh, regarding Jeff Okuda, they took him first round pick number three. He was widely regarded by, I think, almost everybody as the best cornerback prospect in the draft. Um, do you think that he can come in year one and establish himself as like a starter and be, uh, you know, serviceable? Or do you think that there's going to be any struggling there? He might be maybe the nickel guy. How do you see that? Yeah, I think he. I think he'll be more than serviceable. I'm an Ohio State fan, so I watch Jeff Okuda every week, and this guy is—he's going to come in and make an immediate impact for the Lions. But like I mentioned earlier, the thing I just don't understand is—you know—you you trade away Darius Slay, and then you draft Jeff Okuda, and that just—it just doesn't make sense to me because of what you don't gain anything through that. But with that being said, you get a younger player in Jeff Okuda, who I just believe is going to be an All Pro in two years. I think he's going to be a very, very good player for them for a long time. But just the philosophy of the offseason didn't make sense to me in that regard and what they did attacking the cornerback situation. They, you mentioned they got Desmond Trufant. That's an older veteran guy who's you know not going to give you a lot. I mean, he, he, he will start, but he won't give you a lot, especially against some very good wide receivers in the NFC North. But as far as Jeff Okuda goes, that's a very good player. Easily was the best cornerback in the draft. That's why he was drafted third overall, and he will provide them with stability at that position for years to come. Yeah, as a junior, uh, he had 34 tackles, nine passes defensed, and three interceptions, and he was unanimously named to the 2019 College Football All-America team. And he was also he was also a finalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. So I'm sure, Manny, I know you're an <laughs> Ohio State guy as well, so yes, I'm sure you're also pretty high on Jeff Okuda, right? No, well, of course. I mean, listen, ever since he came on campus and he set foot in there, there's only, you know, there's... When you watch Ohio State, everybody watches the offense, but people seem to forget that, uh, that on the defensive side, besides the D line, that secondary, especially the cornerbacks, have always been really have always been rated very highly. And that's one player ever since he set foot on campus and onto the field at, at the horseshoe, he's been a guy to watch. He's covered every single other team's best wide receiver. He's always around the ball. Um, you know, he actually played exceptionally well against Clemson's wide receivers. 
and which I still think that should have been, you know, a turnover for a touchdown, but that's for another conversation. <laughs> um, but you know what, though? If there's anything that, you know, the Lions can, you know, actually try to fix because, you know, yes, they lost Slay, but, you know, in, I don't think they're going to miss much in him besides the experience. But can the fans and can the owners of the Lions wait um, for this type of player to create an impact right away? That's going to be the main question because to me, you know, Matt Patricia, his line, his his job is on the line this season without question. Yeah, and uh, I'm glad you actually brought that up because I was going to mention specifically the owner of the Lions, uh, Martha Ford, came out this past offseason and specifically said in a statement that she was not going to fire Matt Patricia or the general manager, Bob Quinn. However, she did say that this coming season in 2020 that she expects the team to be playing meaningful games in December. So... I would think that's basically her way of saying if we're not winning at some point late in the season or we're not playing meaningful games, like she said, you guys are out of here, both of you. So, which is pretty rare. I don't know too many owners that flat out come out and say, I expect this, and if not, you're gone. So pretty bold statement for her to come out and say in a statement, hey, I expect meaningful games, and if not, you're out of here. So it's going to be interesting to see what the lions do because we've already said they have talent. It's not a talent issue. So if they are doing another lions thing where they're mathematically eliminated by week one of December, I would expect some changes. Um, before we move on, Manny, I'll ask you first, do you have any specific lions questions that you wanted to address with Kevin? Not really. I mean, the lions have always been the lions to me. There's nothing, that's ever changed, unfortunately, for this franchise. Um, I think their highest moment, you know, is still Barry Sanders, and that's what three decades ago it seems like. So, um, yes, Matthew Stafford has gone in there and has tried his best, but you know, he's not getting any younger. Um, you know, and can the Lions actually come out of that shell of trying to, you know, win that division, which it seems to be the Aaron Rodgers Packers slash Bears now? Well, I I thought it was the Bears. No offense, Kevin, but as we've seen with the quarterback play, that very much, you know, ended that conversation, at least for last season. So, you know, to me, the Lions are going to be the Lions until, you know, we can see them actually make the playoff and win playoff games. Yeah, and I still am – I'm not a Lions fan. I'm not a Lions apologist or anything. I just still feel bad for the fan base that um... – Yeah, they're very, very still passionate, but it's just – it's it's sad to see – Year in and year out, it's it's like the Browns. Nothing changes. New people come in and out, and it just seems like they just have a curse. Yeah. Um, and what I was going to say, I totally was blanking on his name, and I'm still blanking on his name. But um, Megatron, the wide receiver. Calvin Johnson. Mm -hmm. Calvin Johnson. I, mm -hmm. I couldn't get his first name in my head for some reason. I had Johnson. I couldn't get his first name. So Calvin Johnson, to me, was like, I mean, when he was at his peak, he was, in my opinion, the best wide receiver in the league. And it's really sad that Barry Sanders arguably could be one of the best running backs in the NFL all time. And uh, Calvin Johnson could have been, I think, one of the best wide receivers of all time. And it's kind of sad that they both were in Detroit and they both retired prematurely just because the Lions franchise essentially broke them. They just kind of lost their will to play the game. So that's kind of sad. Um, 
uh, Aaron, did you have any specific questions regarding the Lions or anything for Kevin before we move on? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't really. Um, you you mentioned that you uh, you really like Matthew Stafford. I've never been a huge fan of him. <laughs> I'm curious to see when the Lions decide they're going to move on from uh, from Stafford and and draft a quarterback. But uh, yeah, no specific questions. I'm curious to see how this this rookie uh, first round draft pick cornerback steps in. And um, yeah, I I kind of anticipating the Lions to to come in last in that division again. Uh, okay, nothing too special. Okay, well then, uh, Manny, I'll go ahead and turn it over to you, and we're gonna talk some Minnesota Vikings. Yes, yes. Uh, once again, Kevin, thank you so much for joining us. So let's move on now to the Minnesota Vikings. So here's a football team that two years ago made it to the NFC title game. Uh, they did not show up to play after the first drive on offense. The Eagles ran over them. And as we know, the rest is history. Uh, that same offseason, the Vikings go out. They get their star quarterback and Kirk Cousins. They think that he's just, you know, the best thing ever since sliced bread. Give him a huge contract. Uh, 2018 ended up being... Not what you would have expected as a Vikings fan. You end up finishing at an, with an 8-7-1 and one record. Uh, that's second in the NFC North, but obviously they did not make the playoffs. So then let's move on to 2019. Uh, much better season. They finished at 10-6, and six, second in the NFC North. They beat the Saints in an overtime game in, in, uh, in New Orleans, which we can probably say there were certain calls here and there that didn't go the Saints way once again as – you know, we are uh, on a Rams pod here. Um, and then, unfortunately, they went to San Fran, and the offense just couldn't get it together. Um, you know, Kirk Cousins, I think he had, what, maybe less than 10 completions. The offense had less than 200 yards total. And as we know, that does not win games in the National Football League. So what do the Vikings end up doing entering the seventh season for Coach Mike Zimmer, Kevin? They've, told, they've gone to the total overhaul. Um, Everson Griffin opted out of his contract. Lemuel Joseph has moved on. Xavier Rhodes has moved on. Mackenzie Alexander, Trey Waynes, and Laquan Treadwell. Now, all these names are so highly touted throughout the years, especially in the Vikings dressing room, because these are top picks of Mike Zimmer. And as you can see the trend here, he, um, at least for this offseason, they've actually stripped down the whole thing, especially on defense. In this draft, Kevin, they drafted nine total players on defense out of 15. And, of course, the most biggest trade ever in, in their um, organization in the last five or six years or whatnot was trading Stephon Diggs for a first-round pick to Buffalo. Um, Kevin, so Mike Zimmer is heading into the seventh season. I've now told you the, the extended overhaul of the Super Bowl-less Minnesota Vikings what does Mike Zimmer need to do in the year 2019-20 season in order to keep his job? I think Mike Zimmer needs to make the playoffs and win a playoff game, but I'm afraid neither of those things are going to happen. I mean, you just mm -hmm. brought it up. I, I was going to bring this up. I mean, they, you know, people are obviously all the national media who, who do the power rankings and they want to rank the teams. And, and a lot of those guys do it based off of 2019 performance. But people are not understanding that the Vikings lost almost half their team, including a, a ton of mm -hmm. impact players and Andrew Sandeo, Stefan Diggs, mm -hmm. all those mm -hmm. guys you mentioned. So I'm mm -hmm. not, quite frankly, I'm not understanding why there are so many people who are continuing to put the Vikings at first or second in the NFC North, uh, having them as a division winner, a wildcard team. I just don't see that happening, especially when you have Kirk Cousins as your quarterback. And, you know, people are cutting or are giving him some slack because, 
uh, what he did against the Saints, and you know he's been horrible uh, aside from that game. That's one game where he he, he did cut, step up to the plate and he performed well. But aside from that, I mean, we know his primetime record. He's he's atrocious in primetime, and he, he's just not that good. But you do have a very good running back, Dalvin Cook, out of the backfield. But there's another but to that. The, in, the, the issue with him is he's very prone to injury. And you never mm-hmm. know when Dalvin Cook's going to go down. And when he goes down, th- that offense is non-functional. So mm-hmm. I think if you're a Vikings fan, although they've been successful in the past, and I, I really do like Mike Zimmer as a coach, I think you have to be worried that you lost nearly half your team. And sure, they they filled those holes with rookies. But here's the issue in 2020. And we talked the whole coronavirus thing. We don't know if there's going to be a training camp or mm-hmm. there may be one, but it's not going to be an extended period of time. So here are the Vikings expecting their rookies to fill these holes yet they won't have a lot of time to get acclimated with the system and and learn everything, especially with what's going on. So they're expecting these rookies to fill the holes, but I just think that's a bit unrealistic. And with all the talent they lost, I really don't believe the Vikings are a playoff team this year. No, I am with you there. Um, You mentioned there that the Vikings strip half their team. Well, in stripping half their team, obviously the money goes with it. They, They actually decided to extend Kirk Cousins um, you know, for another two years worth $66 million. So now the total now becomes to $96 million over the next three seasons for Kirk Cousins. Um, I listen, I understand that the quarterback position is the most important one in the NFL, but I really can't see how Kirk Cousins can get any better than what he already has been. Um, you know, we've seen him in Washington. He, you know, he had a ceiling of being, you know, not that he wasn't wanted. He just never had that flash. Yes, he threw for over you know 300 yards in consecutive games. He had touchdowns. You like that? Yes, I do like that. But unfortunately, when it became for him to perform, you know, down the line, you saw him freeze up. You know what I'm saying? So, um, again, let's go back to Everson Griffin. To me, this is a huge impact. Not to mention the losses of Lindell Joseph, Xavier Rhodes, Mackenzie Alexander, Trey Wayne's. All these guys are impactful defensive players. And a Mike Zimmer scheme that we've seen is basically man-to-man, cover two. He loves to bring the blitz. But it's going to be really difficult to replace a guy like Everson Griffin, who's played 147 games and has over 74 sacks with a total of 257 tackles. I mean, listen, the man's rarely missed a game as a Viking. So, you know, it's hard for me to try to – listen, I understand in the draft, like I mentioned, you draft nine players out of 15, three three of them were on the D-line. But this Vikings defense, it's not going to be the same as it's been, right? I mean, let me hold on. Let me just take it. One, two, three, four, five. Basically, have you're basically going to have five new five new starters, two guys on the D line, and three in the secondary. How do you how do you replace that? You don't replace. I mean, you you said how do you replace Everson Griffin? He's irreplaceable. I mean, a guy like that has been a force in the NFC North for the past five, mm-hmm. six, seven years, and it's irreplaceable. And then you lose Andres. You you mentioned the secondary, which I think could almost be bigger than defensive front because they still have some talented players with Eric Kendricks, Daniel Hunter. They have guys in that front seven. But you look in the secondary: Xavier Rhodes, Trey Waynes, Andrew Sandejo. I mean, you, you, those guys. I mean, not saying Xavier Rhodes and Trey Waynes were great players in 2019. But, I mean, they were role players who have been in that team for a while, and now just you can't replace those guys just at the snap of a finger. So, um, And you're going against some pretty good wide receivers in the NFC North and Devonta Adams, Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones. I mean, those are good, good Ooh. wide receivers. So mm-hmm. this is where, I mean, you're hitting it right on the head. I mean, I just don't understand how people are expecting the Vikings to be another 10-6 and 6 team 
when you lose so many key defensive players who cannot be it's not like they had seven first round picks I mean sure you draft those defensive players but those come in the fourth fifth round and guys who usually won't be impact players for the next two to three years so um it's it's an interesting situation for Mike Zimmer because he need I would argue he needs to win now and it doesn't look like he has the current team in place to do that no I mean listen I've you've been spot on for these two questions of the, of the whole the whole Viking fiasco here I mean it's just I guess it's just you know, you, you you try to understand an, an NFL an, an NFL franchise that's been craving for that championship. You know, they they wanted to play their Super Bowl in their home stadium that that didn't come through. They've played in many other conference title games. You know, the Gary Anderson kick wide left, the one with the Eagles. I mean, I can go on on and on about their playoff fiasco, which they they've never been able to reach that hump. But you trade away your best offensive player besides Diamond Cook and Stephon Diggs. And you end up drafting a wide receiver out of LSU and Justin Jefferson. Not saying that Justin Jefferson can't become a Stephon Diggs. But to me, why would you ruin that continuity um, with a quarterback wide receiver touch? You know what I mean? You bring in Cousins. You have a thing going on with, with Diggs and a thing going on with Adam Thielen. I'm still trying to figure out. This, is, this to me, seems more of a money thing. Because, like I said, you got rid of your half. You know, got rid of mostly your starting defensive players. They were already going on their final year options no matter what. So now that you release them, you, you don't have to pick up their option. It just seems like the Vikings are just trying to shed some money and just relying on younger guys, especially in the draft, to uh, try to win now. And I just don't see them. I just don't see that happening whatsoever. This is not college. Right. R- regarding Stefan Diggs, it's not a money issue. It was a locker room issue. I mean, this guy was requesting a trade. You know, he didn't want to play with that team. And there's a lot of analysts of the Vikings afterwards who I saw on the Vikings Twitter saying, you know, oh, it's it's going to be addition by subtraction. That's just not the way it works with a guy as talented as Stefan Diggs. You're not just going to lose Stefan Diggs and your offense is going to be better. That just doesn't make sense. Let, let's make it simple here. It just doesn't make sense. So, um, you know, they, they want to argue that, sure, the locker room, it, it's fair. Maybe it's fair, but no matter what, it, it's not going to make your offense better. So it's a questionable decision. I mean, that was a, a guy who, whenever the Bears played the Vikings, I mean, I was afraid of Stephon Diggs torching our defense. I mean, that's a very, very good player. And Justin Jefferson, I think, is very capable. I think he's actually one of the better wide receivers who got drafted. But, again, it's a rookie. You can't expect him to step in and get 1,000 yards in his first year. I mean, he may get 750. He may get 800. But he's not going to replace Stephon Diggs just like that. No. Great point. Great point. All right. So, I guess I'm going to put you uh, kind of on the spot here with this Viking slash Bear question. Would you take Kirk Cousins as your Chicago Bears quarterback right now? Oh, my (laughs) God. I mean, this – oh, you can't do this to me, man. Sorry, man. Let, let me Listen, be honest. Got... <laughs> <laughs> oh. Let, oh. Well, let me be honest. So I would, man, see, as a Bears fan, the Bears have absolutely tortured Kirk Cousins the past few years. I mean, they're 4-0 against the Vikings. Kirk has been absolutely, he's been brutal against the Bears the past two years. So um, just because I'm a Bears fan, I, I got to say I'd rather have either Nick Foles or Mitch Trubisky just because of what they provide from a leadership standpoint from I you know Kirk Cousins you know what you're getting out of him he's reached his ceiling he's you know sure is he serviceable yeah but he he, he every time the Bears play the Vikings he comes out and says well I'm you know I'm I hope Khalil Mack doesn't hit me and he he literally says that and um and that's not the kind of guy you want leading your team so I'm going give me Mitch Trubisky any day of the week come on 
All right. Oh, Great start, I got to stay loyal, man. <laughs> <laughs> no bias. Yeah, no, not no, at all. None. Yeah. Manny, do you have anything else regarding the Vikings? That's about it. I think uh, I think we can all agree we can move on from the Super Bowl list Minnesota Vikings. Thanks, Kev. Great stuff, man. Yeah, appreciate absolutely. that. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, so now that we're finished up with the Vikings, we're going to move on to uh, Kevin's Chicago Bears. So this should be a fun conversation. Um, Aaron, what do you got regarding the Chicago Bears, or as sometimes we like to say, Dub Bears? Dub Bears. Yeah, Kevin, thanks again for joining us. Yeah, so I want to hit on your boys, Dub Bears. Uh, being a Bears fan, I wanted to check in, see what uh, insider knowledge, opinions, uh, whatever you might have on a few subjects. So first, and probably the most important question, if Matt Nagy were to shave that scruffy beard of his and grow an epic, almost heroic Mike Dicka-style mustache, do you predict the Chicago Bears' odds of winning the Super Bowl would go up? Oh, we'd be putting out the Super Bowl shuffle right now. I mean, I, I would place an $100 bet if you did that. My God, that'd be glorious. Man, starting off with the hard-hitting question. <laughs> I know, I know, and I agree 100% with you, Kevin. Absolutely, they would win the Super Bowl this year. So um, we should probably pass that on to Matt. <laughs> yeah. All right, so yeah, jokes aside, let's talk quarterback. That seems to be the exciting stuff. All right, the the Bears have already declined Mitchell Trubisky's fifth-year option. Furthermore, this offseason, the Bears traded fourth-round draft pick to the Jaguars to acquire Nick Foles. Now, General Manager Ryan Pace and head coach Matt Nagy have already come out and stated there will be an open competition between Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles for the Bears' starting quarterback position this upcoming season. Exciting. Uh, it's no real surprise to me, though. Nick Foles, um, I mean, the Bears grabbed him. He's already had an established relationship with the Bears. They got a new quarterback coach and uh, John DeFilippo, uh, yep. which... Nick Foles worked with with Philadelphia in 2017 and again in Jacksonville. (laughs) Hey now, Uh, at Jacksonville 2019, um, he's worked with offensive coordinator Bill Lazor at Philadelphia in 2013, and he's also worked with the head coach Matt Nagy in Philadelphia in 2012 and again in Kansas City in 2016. So, from my perspective, it seems like these coaches might have a, a plan here for Nick Foles in their offensive scheme. Uh, and also makes me even more of a believer in them moving on from Mitchell Trubisky. So it's a little sooner than later, maybe. Uh, so that said, do you think the bears starting quarterback position is Mitchell Trubisky's to lose or Nick Foles to lose? Additionally, do you predict who do you predict will start the season at quarterback and who do you predict will finish the season at quarterback? Yeah, this is the hot topic in Chicago, and it's a really, it's really a tough question. But I do, I really do. I'm, a, I'm in the rarity here, but I really do believe it's going to be Mitch Trubisky for a handful of reasons. Number one, I think Manny was in the background saying, "Hey, that's Super Bowl champion Nick Foles," and yes, correct, that is Super Bowl MVP <laughs> Nick Foles. But that's the only time he's ever done it. I mean, last year in Jacksonville, he got replaced by a six-round quarterback, Gardner Minshew. I have zero trust in Nick Foles as a 16-game quarterback. And here's the thing. Here's where I stand about quarterbacks in the NFL in 2020, not just Mitch Trubisky, but this is everyone. I mean, we are in the era of 
playmaking special quarterbacks, right? I mean, we could we could agree that Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, Carson Wentz, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson. I mean, these guys are mobile who can make things happen. I don't want a statue in my backfield. I don't want a statue in the pocket. That's exactly what Nick Foles is. But the argument for Bears fans is, is look, you know, Nick Foles can get the job done and he can he can be average. But I want me as a Bears fan. I would rather take a chance on a guy who I still think can have a higher ceiling than Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky. He showed he can do it in 2018, then deal with the inconsistencies and the averages of Nick Foles. So you mentioned the coaching, and now that's huge. But I truly think the coaching is in place to help Mitch Trubisky and help him understand the system. He has an opportunity to learn from Nick Foles. Previously, he was learning from Chase Daniels and um, Mike Lennon. Two not very great guys to learn from. Now you get to learn from a guy who faces about just as much adversity as anyone in league history and Nick Foles. And that's exactly what Mitch Trubisky struggles with. He struggles when he faces pressure. He struggles when the game is on the line. He struggles in a lot of ways in the same ways that Nick Foles struggled in his career. So I think it will be a great mentor for him. And Matt Nagy has come out saying, you know, when we start training camp, Mitch Trubisky is going to be the first one in the huddle. So that tells me that it is Mitch Trubisky's job to lose, and he has to have a good training camp. Don't get me wrong, but I, you know, something, man, it's so tough because you look at 2019 and, you know, Mitch Trubisky is absolutely getting trashed, absolutely getting trashed, but he really is not as bad as people think. And I know that is so tough for me to say, and I know you guys probably think that's biased, but you have to understand the situation at hand in 2019. The offensive line was one of the worst in the league, if not the worst in the league. The running game was absolutely atrocious. And to me, the play calling just didn't fit the skill set of Mitch Trubisky. So that is why they brought in all those coaches. They brought in a new offensive line coach to fix that. They brought in a new offensive coordinator. Mark Helfrich, our previous offensive coordinator, wasn't getting the job done. They bring in a new quarterbacks coach. They have everything in place for Mitch Trubisky to succeed. And you mentioned the fifth-year option that they declined. So they say, you know what, we're going to decline it. Mitch, 2020 is your chance to prove it. And the Bears play the Lions week one, and I think that's really important because Mitch has been very good against the Lions, so that's another reason why I think they say, you know what, Mitch, you're good against the Lions. Let's start you week one, and he has an opportunity to get off to a hot start. But, you know, the the leash is going to be about as short as any leash you've ever seen in any quarterback competition. If he has one bad game where he throws for only 200 yards and two interceptions, enter Nick Foles. So he really has to have success, but I I do think the right tools are in place for him to succeed this year, and and I, I do have a belief that he can be good enough uh, to lead the Bears to the playoffs. Nice. I like that. Now, I got to ask, too. So with Nick Foles being picked up, do you kind of do you kind of wish the Bears would have waited for like a Cam Newton? Um, or are you happy? Yes. Do you prefer Nick Foles? No, I mean, I, oh, God. I mean, Nick, getting Nick Foles was the worst possible scenario for me as a Bears fan. I mean, the, the problem is, though, and, you know, I hate to bring up this coronavirus thing again, but that is the issue. You bring in Cam Newton, let's say you bring in Cam Newton, let's say you bring Teddy Bridgewater, they don't have the time to learn the system. And that is 100% why the Bears got Nick Foles. They got Nick Foles because he knows the system, and that's only going to help Mitch Trubisky. Think about it this way. If the Bears were dead set on finding a new quarterback, they would have gone out and done that by getting a Tom Brady even or a Phillip Rivers or a Bridgewater or a Newton. If they were dead set on not having Mitchell Trubisky as their quarterback, they, Ryan Pace is aggressive. They would have done the necessary things to get a new quarterback. But to me, getting Nick Foles is simply getting a guy to help Mitchell Trubisky. That, that's simply the way I see it. Other people disagree, but logically it makes sense because if they wanted to move on, 
they would have done the necessary things to get a better quarterback than Nick Foles as the future 2020, 2021 quarterback of the Bears. Right on. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. Before I move on to my next question, I wanted to touch on a couple brief uh, fun facts about the two quarterbacks. And I think you already kind of nailed it with Nick Foles and your faith in him being able to play a full season. So in Nick Foles NFL career, he's played in eight seasons and in those eight seasons, he has never started a full season at quarterback. In fact, he's only played 58 games, which equates to seven games a season. So not even half of a half of a season starting. Uh, that said, Manny, yes, he does have a Super Bowl win and does own Super Bowl <laughs> MVP honors. Now, uh, Mitchell Trubisky, uh, what I like to refer to as potential what could have been moment so this may be a little bit of a sour subject but nick brought this up brought this to my attention last week and i'm not sure if you're aware kevin but uh mitchell trubisky was selected number two overall in 2017 the nfl draft there the bears had actually traded from the number three spot up to the number two spot to nab him so this trade was with the san francisco 49ers the bears gave up their uh, number three pick, or yeah, the number three pick, the number 67 pick, number 111 pick, also 2018 third round pick to move up one spot. Now, to remind you, 2017 NFL draft quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes was selected at number 10 by the Chiefs, oh, and Deshaun Watson was selected careful, number careful. 12 careful, Eric. Can by <laughs> it's nails on a chalkboard uh, right now hearing this it's it's a, yeah <laughs> i mean so far the bears haven't been able to to create a time machine to go back and and change this so there's nothing you can do but it's just a fun little fact to throw out there uh all right enough torture <laughs> so uh some other offset some other offseason moves uh aside from the quarterback um from the offensive side the Bears released tight end Trey Burton, who only played in eight games last season with a hernia injury. They went ahead and signed a five-time pro bowler in Jimmy Graham. He's getting a little bit older. And they also drafted a rookie tight end in Cole Met out of Notre Dame. Comet, yeah. Comet. Is that how you say it? Comet? Okay. Yeah. Uh, they they look to be sticking with their running back duo and Tariq Cohen and David Montgomery, who I'll remind you, uh, finished the season as a team, 27th in rushing yards, 28th in rushing touchdowns, and 29th in average yards per attempt, per rushing attempt, and that's out of 32 teams. Uh, regarding wide receiver, the Bears, and you did touch base on the, the Bears running game being atrocious last year, which um, if they can pick it up, I think you know that could definitely help the quarterback position going forward. But also regarding wide receiver, Bears part way with uh, Taylor Gabriel, they released him. They still have Allen Robinson. They got Carterell Patterson, Tegan Jr., Riley Ridley, Anthony Miller. Um, they even drafted a rookie uh, and Darnell Mooney out of Tulane. So do you anticipate any particular player or players having a breakout season on the offensive end? Or have do you anticipate any of these uh, new rookies to have an immediate impact? Uh, what are your major concerns with the offensive side position wide, like wide receiver, running back that stand out to you most? So I'll start with the major concerns. And obviously that's the offensive line, because I mentioned earlier 
that they were one of the worst units in the league in 2019. And quite frankly, they didn't do a lot to get better. Um, they picked up a few seasoned veterans, but what they did do is grab new offensive line coach Juan Castillo. So they really have trust in their offensive line coach to kind of fix this thing. But it's still certainly a worry. Um, you know, th there's still some tackles and guards available in free agency. They have a little bit of money to spend. They may go ahead and do that. I know Larry Warford is out there. There's a few guys out there they may still spend on, but that's that's the number one thing you look at and you say, you know, I'm still not 100% sure that offensive line is a top half of the league offensive line right now. It's just that's what I that's the way I see it. But you mentioned impact player uh, as a rookie. I think it's Darnell Mooney. He's going to kind of fill that Taylor Gabriel role, stretch the field downfield. And I want to mention Allen Robinson because I think Allen Robinson is one of the most underrated wide receivers in the National Football League. You have to understand this guy is putting numbers and has had Blake Bortles and Mitch Trubisky throwing to him his entire career. So he's been putting up 1,000-yard seasons with like 8, 9, 10 touchdowns with two of the worst quarterbacks in the past five years, you could argue, I guess people would say, um, throwing to him. And this guy is an extremely polished route runner. He's arguably the best route runner in the game. He's, in my opinion, going to be a top 10 receiver this year. And another breakout player I'll give you is David Montgomery. He was our third-round draft pick from last year and could absolutely do nothing. I mean, watching the games were so painful. I'm sure you guys remember when we played the Rams, uh, Bears played the Rams. I mean, he was running into Aaron Donald, nowhere to go. I mean, it was it – was, and that was the tale of the whole entire season. So with a better offensive line will come a better running game for Dave Montgomery, I mean, I really truly think that's going to happen. What I don't understand is a lot of these national media analysis, again, just don't have the Bears go as going to be a better offense. And I, I – look, the, the quarterback play for the Bears was about as abysmal as it gets. I mean, it, it's hard to do worse than that, and it's hard to have a worse offense. So they've done the necessary things. Uh, to, to make the offense better, I think they can grab another veteran running back. But I expect this offense, to, I don't, they're not going to be a top 10 offense. Quite frankly, they're not going to be a top 15 offense. But they don't need to be with a defense that good. If they're a top 20 offense, that is fine. That is good enough to me for this team to get to the playoffs. That's the way it was in 2018. So that's, that's all they need to do. They need to be good enough. They need to put points on the board. Uh, rather than field goals, touchdowns, and, and converting the red zone. And they can be a totally fine offense, in my opinion. Yeah, and two, to remind people, Allen Robinson came off with an ACL tear not too long ago, so yeah. he got a full season in last him. year. So, I mean, this could be his year. Maybe he's uh, rehabilitated that leg a little bit, and he can uh, step his game up. And I will tell you, I did draft David Montgomery in my fantasy football league last year. I had a lot of high hopes for that guy and um it didn't turn out it didn't, it didn't turn out as anticipated <laughs> yeah no but yeah no uh thanks for uh thanks for some of your input there on the offensive side i wanted to wrap up my questions just touching base into the defensive side now so uh this offseason the bears cut leonard floyd and they signed robert quinn now uh robert quinn's going to be Looks like he's going to be filling it for Leonard Floyd's as his replacement. And he'll be playing opposite of Khalil Mack, which I'm a Raiders fan. And every time I see Khalil Mack's name, it crushes me. So uh, a fun fact, though, Robert Quinn last season totaled 11 and a half sacks, which alone almost matches Leonard Floyd's career total of 18 and a half sacks. So one season almost matches the career of Leonard Floyd. That's got to be something to look forward to, right? Um so I, I honestly think this move is going to benefit the Bears. Um, I think it's also going to benefit uh, Max production the most. So uh, 
I think offensively, teams are going to have to account for Quinn and uh, may free Mac up a little bit. Also, the Bears defensive backs. I, my opinion, they took a little bit of a hit. They lost the uh, Haha Clinton Dix to uh, free agency. Uh, lost him to the Cowboys. They cut Prince Amu Kamara. If I'm saying that right, the cornerback, uh, I think the Raiders snatched him up. Uh, they did draft two cornerbacks and Jalen Johnson out of Utah and uh, Kendall Vildor out of Georgia Southern. So my opinion, and I'm curious on what your opinion is. I think the Bears front seven will be dynamic, explosive. I think, you know, a lot of offenses are going to be worried about playing against that front seven. However, in your opinion, do you have any concerns with a uh, lack of experience in the secondary, such a cornerback or at safety? Um, do you expect these rookies to be able to come in and have, have an immediate impact at corner? Do you see Dion Bush or Eddie Jackson contributing significantly at safety? Yeah, so this secondary, I would argue, got better in the offseason. And here's why. First of all, Prince of Mukamura was a liability, and they go get Jalen Johnson, who I'm in my opinion was had a first-round draft grade, very, very talented player out of Utah. Luckily fell into our hands in the second round at pick number 50. And he will be an impact player week one for us. But in the safeties, you mentioned how Clinton Dix goes to the, Pac- uh, the Cowboys. Rather, he was with the Packers. And look, how Clinton Dix is a talented player. But the problem with 2019, the reason why you saw a downtick in interceptions for Eddie Jackson and for how Clinton Dix combined was the fact that those are two roaming free safeties. And it really didn't allow Eddie Jackson to play the position of that center field type guy at free safety. And that's what he excels at. I mean, this guy is an all pro. He was an all pro in 2018 to me, top five, top three safety in the national football league, but they go out, they get strong safety to Sean Gibson from the Texans. And now this is an absolutely perfect fit because Deshaun Gibson can play the box. He's a true strong safety and he's exactly the type of pairing you want next to Eddie Jackson. When they had Adrian Amos back there with Eddie Jackson, I mean, that was a really, really powerful duel because they had different skill sets and they brought different things to the table. Him and Hawkland Dix were like almost identical players and, and, you know, teams were afraid to throw against them, but it didn't allow Eddie Jackson to be the best he can be. And when he's the best he can be, he is arguably the top safety in the league. And that was apparent in his all pro season 2018, when he had like four pick sixes, you know, eight interceptions, he, he was going crazy. So I think the secondary gets better. And then I think the front seven's the best in football without a question. I don't even think it's close. I mean, Robert Quinn is an unbelievable upgrade. Leonard Floyd was a, a fine run defender, but this guy could not get to the quarterback. Unfortunately, it was another first round pick that was kind of a miss for Ryan Pace. But Khalil Mack, quite frankly, didn't have a great year last year. But the reason for that is he's getting double teamed and triple teamed every time. I mean, what do you want this guy to do? I mean, he's he's on the sideline every few plays because he has to try to work through three 300-pound men just to get to the quarterback. So uh, because Leonard Floyd on the other side was getting single block. Teams don't have to worry about that. But now, you know, you, you can't just single block Robert Quinn on the opposite side. I mean, that is a guy you said 11 and a half sacks last year, one of the top 15 uh, pass rushers in the league. He proved that. So that is going to be a threat. And then linebacker, I mean, Akeem Hicks. Uh, that guy is an absolute force. Eddie Goldman's an underrated player. And then Trevathan and Smith uh, is the linebackers up the middle. I mean, this is a very, very talented defense. So um, I'm expecting, you know, it may not be true, but I'm expecting this defense to be the best in football in 2020. Man, I couldn't agree with you more. You, uh, yeah, I forgot about uh, Tashawn uh, Gibson Sr. there. Yeah, too. that was kind of a late acquisition, but yeah. yeah. No, uh, no, I think you nailed it. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Uh, Nick? Do you have anything to add for uh, Bears? 
Um, yeah, kind of. I don't know if these are necessarily questions, but just some thoughts that I have on the Bears. Um, I think it's funny that there's a narrative around Aaron Rodgers that he doesn't have enough talent, he doesn't have enough talent, and no one seems to give that benefit of the doubt to guys like Mitch Trubisky. And I'm not a Mitch Trubisky guy. I don't think he's that great. That's just my opinion. But I don't think it's fair to expect him to be this great quarterback when he doesn't really have anyone around him to make him great. I will agree that Allen Robinson is underrated. I do think he's a very good wide receiver. But just like this year alone, going in with Allen Robinson and then Anthony Miller, Ted Ginn, Javon Wims, Cordero Cordero Patterson, Riley Ridley. I don't really have faith in any of those other guys. So I do think it's funny that Mitch Trubisky is expected to be this great quarterback, but he really doesn't have a whole lot of talent around him. I think that's a little bit unfair. Um, I certainly don't think Jimmy Graham is the Jimmy Graham that we all remember because everyone seems to think that Jimmy Graham's the same guy from his days with New Orleans and Sean Payton and Drew Brees. And ever since he left New Orleans, he's been a shell of himself. So I don't expect him to go into Chicago and really be anything different. Um, so just my own personal opinion, I think it's unfair that Mitch Trubisky is expected to be this you know, great top five quarterback. But yet, I don't think he's really surrounded by talent. I think Ryan Pace has kind of failed him there. That's just my own personal opinion. Um, uh, there was one other. Uh, oh, I was going to ask, and this isn't a joke. I'm asking in all seriousness. Have the Bears addressed their kicking issue? <laughs> I'm not asking. I swear to God, no, I'm not. You can put that nicely. There's just zero. There's zero way. <laughs> I swear to God, I'm not asking as a joke. I'm asking legitimately because I swear I have no idea who their current kicker is. And the last thing I remember hearing about the Bears kicking situation was Matt Nagy was holding like kicking competitions and had like a bunch of people in and was trying to see who could kick like 40 yarders or something. So I'm legitimately asking seriously, have the Bears fixed their kicking issue? So they're they're trying. Last year, you mentioned the kicking competition. It was funny. And in training camp, what they would do is they would after every uh, at the end of every practice, they would line up the kickers at the forty-three yard line, which is the exact spot where Cody Parkey hit the double toink. And they would have the kickers in front of the whole team and all the fans at training camp try to hit a forty-three yarder. And and Eddie Pinheiro was the one who came out of that competition alive. So he was our kicker in twenty nineteen. He actually in week two against the Broncos hit a game winning. 50, I think it was 55, 56 yarder um, in Denver to win that game for us. But he also missed a game winner against the Chargers. So, you know, we're kind of up and down about Eddie Pinheiro, but they brought in another guy. But I just, I think Eddie Pinheiro is the answer. And quite frankly, I'm not really understanding why they brought in another guy because when it comes to kickers, the one thing you need is confidence. And for them to bring in another guy is only going to diminish his confidence. But uh, I would not confidently say that there is an answer to the kicking situation but eddie pinheiro uh looks to be the guy for 2020 okay uh de Niro pinheiro um there you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah so manny before we move on did you have any thoughts or questions for the bears yeah i mean just some comments and um i, I do want to ask um one question for kevin um i mean when you look at the whole bears saga thing that's been mitch um, it's very unfortunate, though, that the team actually had to move up in the draft, gave up a lot to get him. And then you see a guy like Patrick Mahomes that gets picked a couple of picks afterwards, the way that he's blossomed, and now he has a title. 
uh, that doesn't help a lot of fans and that doesn't uh, help the a city like Chicago that's been craving one since 1985. Um, and I could also say this because I've been watching ball for, you know, I'm pretty sure we've all been watching this since the day that we, you know, nine and 10 years old, a defense can actually be, can be, you know, a, a solid defense of like the bears have shown that they can be. It's really difficult to try to be that style when you're always down 14 nothing already into the gate. Um, that's the thing that I don't think a lot of people um, brought it into it. Um, you know, a Khalil Mack can't be a Khalil Mack if, you know, Derek Carr has the ball and they're up already 10 nothing. you know, because now you're going to put pressure on the defense. You need to create a three and out. And it doesn't help that when you get your the ball back for your offense, they don't move it at all. So, you know, um, that's my thing there. And I guess when it comes to the whole Matt Nagy, slash Ryan Pace thing, I just feel like Ryan Pace is trying to, um, not that he's trying to, uh, I just feel like Matt Nagy is set up to fail, and it's not his fault. Um, I feel like Ryan Pace has done a very, very inconsistent job at, you know, in the draft, in the offseason. You know, we all saw the whole Trey Burton saga. That didn't end very well. They went out and drafted another high tight end, but it's like, I feel like the Bears feel like, you know, know, well, not really the Bears, but Matt Nagy, like I I said, I truly feel like he's set up to fail and that, you know, listen, Ryan Pace, this football team has to make the playoffs this season in order for me to believe that Pace keeps his job. I'm so sorry. There's no way that you stay there that long with, with, with Fox and then say, well, you know, a 500 record is okay. That's absolutely not, you know, to me personally, that's not the truth. Um, you know, when it comes to that, um, Kevin, so one, one quick, well, one last question for me, as far as pertains to the, a bears Rams connection, uh, Leonard Floyd is now a Ram. Obviously we saw that he wasn't, um, that impactful player that we thought he would be out of Georgia, but I also feel like, you know, having a Khalil Mack on the other side, especially last season. And here's my thing about it too, which is something that I just brought up. A defense can't be itself when, you know, you're always down in football games and you have to create all these three and outs. Um, What can Rams fans expect from Leonard Floyd in a positive way? And what can they expect from Leonard Floyd in a negative way in your eyes since he was a bear? Yeah, yeah. Look, I don't hate Leonard Floyd. I think Leonard Floyd still has talent. But the problem is he just hasn't grown since his, his rookie season. And the, the thing you know you're getting out of Leonard Floyd is you're getting an athletic speed pass rusher. So at times, Leonard Floyd will put on a nice spin move and he'll get around the guy. But he struggles with power and pushing over an offensive lineman, which is obviously critical when you're coming off the edge there. And, you know, he was in the gym last year and people were thinking, you know, he's getting big, he's put on some muscle, but he still just doesn't have the necessary power. But as Rams fans, the thing you're going to love about him is he's a pretty damn good run defender. So that's the thing you're getting out of him. He may not be impactful in the pass rush, but he's a good run defender. And when you have a guy like Aaron Donald, you don't necessarily need Leonard Floyd to be that good of a pass rusher. Um, So you can deal with him not getting to the quarterback every snap and you can afford him having those great run defense plays. And, and, you know, sometimes when he drops in, he'll drop into coverage. I don't know if you do it a lot in your scheme, but he'll drop into coverage, and he's good in that uh, regard as well. But the thing about Leonard Floyd, like I mentioned, is I, I still have trust in the fact that 
with the necessary coaching, with the necessary workout regimen in the offseason, he can, you know, develop the necessary tools to become a more well-rounded pass rusher. So there's there's a lot of opportunity with Leonard Floyd. The problem with the Bears was they just they just couldn't afford it. Um, he was owed a lot of money to them. It was just not in their interest, and they wanted to get another guy uh, who could actually rush the passer because we have uh, two very good run defenders up front, but they need another pass rush on the outside. So that is why they moved on from him. They didn't necessarily move on to, move on from because they thought he was a, not a very good player. It's just what they wanted with their scheme and what the money that was available. So Rams fans, you know, you, you should still have a little bit of hope for Leonard Floyd that he is going to be a good run defender and there still is opportunity he could develop into a more well-rounded pass rusher in 2020. Great stuff, Kev. Thanks. Yeah. And I, I really, before we uh, move on, I just want to touch on one last thing. Uh, Nick kind of hit on it with uh, Mitch, Mitchell Trubisky, not really have Trubisky, not having uh, that, you know, all right. We, we kind of joked about Patrick Mahomes being, uh, they missed out on drafting Patrick Mahomes and they got Mitchell Trubisky. But I mean, you look at Patrick Mahomes, he's got one of the, I, in my opinion, one of the best offensive lines, especially with run Um He's had players like Kareem Hunt. He's got Damian Williams. Teams look at Kansas City, and there's a threat in the run. Um, you look at Mitchell Trubisky, and he doesn't really have much of a threat in the run. The offensive line's the subject. Um, Patrick Mahomes has players like Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey to throw it to. Trubisky doesn't. Uh, I mean, now he's got Robinson. So, I mean, we'll see how this pans out. But, yeah, I don't think he's given the full credit that he really deserves for uh filling into an offensive scheme that maybe isn't ideal for a quarterback like where Patrick Mahomes kind of slipped in for Alex Smith and just fit into an already I think playoff caliber offensive team that was already explosive um so I'm curious to see how he does uh this year but you know I don't I don't want to be too hard on the guy (laughs) Yeah, it's. I think he's put into a little bit of a tough situation. One, because of where he was drafted, and two, who was drafted after him. And I will say, just to kind of close this loop on Mitch Trubisky and the Bears, um, this happens all the time where quarterbacks aren't properly valued and the team may have taken the wrong guy or Uh, something like that that happens all the time fans just like to poke fun at whoever's the latest person to do it Um, Ryan Leaf was taken ahead of Peyton Manning Drew Brees nobody wanted him when he was a free agent he literally got one offer from New Orleans and one offer from Miami Um, this happens all the time Tom Brady went in the sixth round so let's not pretend like everyone in the NFL they're like perfect at this because they're not so this happens all the time it's unfortunate because uh you know Mitch Trubisky it's not his fault that he was taken number two um it, it, it is what it is so these things happen um I'm sure one of these days he'll get either another shot with another team or the Bears will bring in some other offensive coordinator and it'll click or something but yeah, it is what it is. Um, he's just in a tough spot right now. Hopefully in a couple of years, that narrative will die down. Uh, we'll go ahead and move on to uh, Kevin's second favorite team, the Green Bay Packers. Um, <laughs> they finished last season at 13-3, and which was first in the NFC North. And this was done under um, 
Matt LaFleur's first season uh, as a head coach. So he replaced Mike McCarthy, who's now the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, there were a lot of Packers fans that were, I think for several years, clamoring for the Packers to move on and bring in somebody else. So they finally got their wish. They bring in Matt LaFleur, who kind of like Sean McVay was the young hotshot guy that people hadn't really heard of, but he was really young and he was supposed to be kind of a offensive whiz kid. And, and uh, it seems like it, it went really well and it's going to do, you know, they're going to do good things. Like I said, they, they went 13 and three, they made the playoffs. Uh, their offense was 15th in points per game. Their defense was actually ninth, which for me, when I think of the Packers, I don't think of strong defenses. Um, so the fact that they finished ninth, um, only allowing 19.6 points per game, that's pretty, that's pretty awesome. If you can get Aaron Rodgers, um, if you can't get him some help on offense, at least you can give him a good defense. So that's pretty good. Uh, they did make the playoffs. They won their divisional round matchup against the Seattle Seahawks, 28 to 23. They ended up losing in the conference championship game, 20 37 to the eventual Super Bowl representative, uh, San Francisco 49ers. So after suffering back-to-back losing seasons for the first time since 1990, 1991, and missing the playoffs and back-to-back seasons for the first time since 0506, the Packers did make the playoffs, like I said, for the first time since 2016. Uh, they actually won week eight against the Kansas City Chiefs, and they improved to uh, approved on their 6-9-1 and one record from the previous season. So this past season for the Packers was a really good one. It looks like they're trending up. Uh, everyone seems to keep bringing up this narrative that potentially Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur, there could be some issues there. I personally am not buying into that. Um, that's just me personally. Um, going into more details just about their previous season, after a win over the Giants in week 13 in the in the snow, actually, it was a fun little snow game, the Packers secured their first winning season since 2016. A win over the Chicago Bears in week 15 combined with a Rams loss actually helped the Packers clinch their first postseason uh, berth, like I said, in the past two years. And they clinched the NFC North following a 23-10 victory over the Vikings. So a lot of good stuff going on for the Packers. If you're a Packers fan, I'm assuming you're pretty happy. Um, with the exception of some of the stuff that I'm going to get into. So the question still kind of remains, does Aaron Rodgers have enough help? Um, his surrounding cast has kind of been a, I don't want to say a who's who, because that makes it sound like it's a bunch of good guys. It's actually just been a band of kind of mid-level, okay guys, occasional pro bowlers here and there. Um, Devontae Adams has been really good for a while. Um, and then other than that, it's been kind of just this cast of like Geronimo Allison's and um, uh, Alan Lazard's um, just kind of like random guys. Uh, everyone thought when Jimmy Graham went to the Packers that he was going to flourish there and that never happened. So Kevin, what the first thing I want to address with you is how much are you buying into this narrative that Aaron Rodgers doesn't have enough help? Do you think that they're okay where they are now because they just, you know, made it to the championship game and they're pretty much the same team? Or do you have concern that there's just not enough there and they can't sustain the success? 
Look, you mentioned that the Packers are trending up, and I actually think they're trending down now because, first of all, they had a golden opportunity in the 2020 draft to get some help for Aaron Rodgers, and they did not do that. What did they do? They make the situation a lot more complicated than it needed to be. As you guys know, they go out and get Jordan Love. Absolutely, it's it's unexplainable. The move is unexplainable to me, and there is a clear disconnect between Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur, and the front office of that organization. He came out today on ESPN and said he doesn't think he's going to be a Packer uh, for the rest. He, don't th- he doesn't think he's going to retire a Packer, which I'm sure if you told somebody last year that Aaron Rodgers wasn't going to retire a Packer, you'd probably be a little bit shocked. But that's the reality of the situation right now. And whenever you have a disconnect between your quarterback and your head coach, bad things always follow. It's never good. I know Aaron Rodgers is a bad man, as Stephen Smith, a. Smith would say, and I know he's He's one of the, I would argue, the most talented, keyword talented quarterback of all time. But, you know, the scheme that he works with, he did not, he, him and Matt LaFleur did not get along in 2020. As much as you may think that as a Bears fan watching the Bears play, the Packers watching the Packers frequently, they did not get along. I can tell you Aaron Rodgers does not like that guy. And then it was almost like, you know, uh, Matt LaFleur is trying to stick it to him by getting Jordan Love, which makes absolutely no sense for them. So now... You know, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to be a Packer in 2021. I think he's going to move on from that organization. But I think there is a clear fracture for that team. And and you mentioned, you know, he said two days before the draft, he said, you know, kind of sarcastically, it'd be a little nice if I could get a another receiver, another guy to throw to. That'd be nice. And he said that sarcastically. And I'm sure the front office saw that quote. And they did nothing. Not only did they not get a guy in the first round, they didn't get a guy in the second round, the third round, the fourth round. They absolutely just kind of stuck it to Aaron Rodgers. And for, for what reason? Makes absolutely no sense. This guy has done everything for your franchise the past 10 years. And you just, I mean, you're not helping him out at all. So it's very, very strange situation in Green Bay because I really do believe that there is a strong disconnect between Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers. And that is not going to go well. If you know Aaron Rodgers' personality, he, he wants things done his way. And if it's not going to be done his way, you know, you might as well get out of the way. So there is something boiling in Green Bay, and I think it may cause disaster. I mean, disaster in the sense that they may end up nine and seven, not ten and six or eleven and five. But you know, that is a team with a roster that should be a playoff team. But with everything that's going on, I'm 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 a little bit afraid that some things could get in the way and, and something could fall apart there in Green Bay in twenty twenty. Interesting. Yeah, I certainly don't see it that way. That's just a difference of opinion. I personally think of it as like a healthy, um, as much as it can be, because some people think that's not possible. I think there's a healthy enough relationship there where they can talk to each other and tell each other when each other's wrong, when they don't agree with something, uh, things like that. I think sometimes everyone expects, I guess, the head coach and the quarterback to have a buddy-buddy relationship like uh, Baker Mayfield and Freddie Kitchens had where they're just best friends on the sideline. I don't expect that me personally. I think the quarterbacks and head coaches are allowed to disagree um, and yell at each other and not be best friends. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, I do think the issue with Jordan Love could potentially be a problem. Um, I will say the quote of him not retiring a Packer I guess that doesn't really surprise me just because I don't expect any franchise star to finish with their team because nowadays with free agency, it just doesn't happen for a lot of guys. Um, Joe Montana didn't finish with the 49ers. Um, Brett Favre didn't finish with the Packers. 
Um, it's just that's just the way it is. A lot of franchise stars go somewhere else to finish off their career. So it doesn't surprise me if he did leave and go somewhere else. Um, the drafting of Jordan Love was something that I did want to address with you because I do agree that that could potentially be an issue. Whether they wanted it to be or not, it's kind of hard to make the argument that it isn't because I don't think Aaron Rodgers had to come out and say, I'd like to get a wide receiver because I think everyone, I literally anybody, any casual fan could could have told you the Packers needed another wide receiver. And for some reason, they decided that they needed a quarterback, which is really, really strange. Um, so first question I'll ask you regarding Jordan Love. Do you think that he's even capable? Because there were some people, um, draft experts, that said he could potentially be the best quarterback in this draft because he had the physical tools and gifts to be another Patrick Mahomes. And there were some draft experts that said that he was way too overrated. So I'll just ask you from your own personal opinion, do you think that Jordan Love is capable of being an NFL starting quarterback? I mean, I think he's capable. I mean, this guy is a, a huge hit or mess. And, you know, the people are comparing him to Patrick Mahomes purely because of athletic talent, but they're not looking past that. He's not as smart of a player. He didn't play as in, in as good as a conference, and he really didn't have any seasons nearly as good as Patrick Mahomes. I mean, his last season at Utah State just simply wasn't very good. So he has physical gifts. But this guy is nowhere near the prospect Patrick Mahomes was. And obviously, if you're a Packers fan or anyone, you, you saw that, oh, the Packers are trying to do the whole Aaron Rodgers-Brett Favre situation over again, right? They're, they're bringing in Jordan Love. He can learn from Aaron Rodgers. And in a few years, he will be the next Aaron Rodgers, just like when they brought in Aaron Rodgers to back up Brett Favre. The problem is Jordan Love is nowhere near the prospect Aaron Rodgers was. So, you know, I, I think he's capable – but they, the Green Bay Packers organization, that is, believe that he can be the next Aaron Rodgers. When quite frankly, that's a little bit far fetched because he's just that's just not the he, he's just not capable of that based off of what we've seen from Utah State, based off what we've seen from his combine performance, from all of his uh, measurables and his projections. I mean, that it is just not you know his ceiling, his very high ceiling. Maybe could be Aaron Rodgers, but to expect that, to expect that he's going to be a Pro Bowl quarterback within his first two years of starting, I think is is highly unrealistic. But you know, I, you could argue it makes sense. What they're trying to do as far as the backup thing, but I still think it was too much of a risk for them to do that when they had so many other needs for that roster with very very capable guys available there at the time when they were choosing in the first round. So um, Jordan Love could be capable, but nowhere near the prospect that the people are comparing him to. Yeah, that um, that criticism is basically the same criticism I had of the 2020 draft for the Rams. I don't have a problem with the guys they picked. I have a problem with where they were picked because there were other needs that should have been addressed, in my opinion. So I have no issue with Jordan Love being drafted, but it's really weird that the team made the decision to not only draft him when they did, but they traded up to draft him so i would argue that you know they could have waited and still got him um at another time or waited just a little bit longer um and everyone knows even me who's not a hardcore college football guy this past draft was loaded with wide receiver talent so the fact that they didn't address it in this draft is really suspect uh the only thing i can think of is they honestly believe that this guy is the next Patrick Mahomes and they are they think they're the smartest person in the room and they took him before anybody else 
And in a couple of years, they're going to be, you know, laughing at everybody saying, you know, how did you not see this? We all saw it. So I, I don't know. Um, I will say post-draft, Jordan Love was saying all the right things. He certainly doesn't seem like the kind of guy that's going to come in with a huge ego or think that he's going to be a starter anytime soon. So it seems like he's got at least a good head on his shoulders and he's got the right attitude about it. Um, but yeah, I, I honestly don't know what's going to happen with him uh, regarding being a, a starter in the future or anything. That is going to be um, interesting to see, to say the least. I think going forward, he's going to, it's tough too, because he's going to have to be replacing Aaron Rodgers, which means he's going to have even more expectations. Uh, so very interesting to see how that goes. I would like to think that Aaron Rodgers would stay in Green Bay past this season um, just because I think I, I'm, I guess, a traditionalist where I would prefer stars to stay with their teams, but I know that's just not the reality. So we'll see. Um, Manny, did you have any Packers thoughts or questions? No, I, I mean, when you kind of look at the whole thing, you know what I'm saying? It's just – um, you know, to me, Aaron Rodgers hasn't had guys since he won the Super Bowl in Jordy Nelson's, James Jones, Donald Driver, Greg Jennings. I mean, I can go on and on. And listen, Devontae Adams is a heck of a player. But, you know, they signed Jimmy Graham a couple of years back thinking that he can still, you know, kind of be what he kind of did with, with you know, down in New Orleans with Drew Brees. And obviously that has not worked out. And as you've seen, the main difference this season, I, 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 or not this season, I should say last season, is that the Packers finally had a running game. And you saw how they actually relied on the on the, on the running game more, and they made Rodgers just be that guy if, you know, teams will stop the run, then you got to throw it. Um, kind of where I think the Bears need to go with Mitch, you know, besides Nick Foles being there, is you got to be able to, to take a little bit off that and start running the football to create more passes off that. Um, you know, and then they go out and they sign all these guys in the offseason last year. You have a great season. But then what ends up happening is then, you know, you go to San Francisco and you get run over by by a steamroll train in which, you know, as Rams fans, we know what the what the 49ers are. They're not a sexy team on offense, but man, they were able to get three, four types of running backs and just run it down your throat, run it down your throat. And they had guys in the wide receiver spots that could make plays. So when you have a guy like Aaron Rodgers, I feel like you got to be able to rely on a couple of things. you got to be able to have an offensive line that can be reliable. By reliable, I mean not two, three games, and then, you know, they're, 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 they're just, you know, they're starting tackles like Bulaga. He plays three games and he gets hurt. And then, you know, they lose a center here and there. And then that kind of breaks down and where you bring in a new coaching staff in, a new which I think, if I'm right, he's the youngest coach ever um, hired by the Packers, right? If I remember correctly. Yeah, it's something that's never been done before. And here they are going back to, you know, deja vu when he was, uh, you know, getting drafted. And we're talking about Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, Brett Favre still has maybe a couple more seasons left. And all of a sudden you go and you get a guy like Jordan Love. Um, you know, we've seen many stories like this and where the quarterbacks come from small markets and, you know, a lot of Carson Wentz, um, you know, I can't think of any names right now, but I know there's, there's been quarterbacks from schools like this that have panned out great. I don't think the Packers, um, I, you know, when you look at it as a whole, I just feel like I don't know what direction they could go or they want to go. You know, you, you know, you have a couple years left of the greatness of Aaron Rodgers. You know that already. 
So why not capitalize on that by gaining more offensive weapons instead of drafting a backup, you know, and you can sit there and tell me like, you know, like Aaron Rodgers said today, I understand why the organization did it, you know, it's for, but listen, he's going to say that because it's, it's Aaron Rodgers, you know, he, he's, he's never been out, you know, just to speak up his mind, even if it's in bad ways. It just, I don't see the direction of sense of where the Packers want to go with this, which then, you know, it kind of tells me that the NFC North, and quite honestly, guys, to me is wide open because with this whole coronavirus, teams have not been able to meet up at all. Who knows what Jordan Love is looking at? Listen, I understand you can send players playbooks through Zoom and you can, you know, try to intimidate that a little bit, but I'm sorry, in-person meetings and in-person practices have a lot more say to me, you know, in my opinion. You know, so that's what I just wanted to say. I just I, I don't know which direction the Packers want to go. Do they want to go to make sure that Rodgers can try his very best towards the end of his career? Or do they want to just have him go as far as he could in this type of offense that Matt LaFleur has? And if all ends fails where he can't play anymore, hey, Jordan Love, this is why we drafted you. Come on up, sir. Okay. Uh Aaron, did you have any sort of Packers-centric questions or thoughts or anything? Uh, I don't really have any questions. Uh, more of just a thought that, you know, the Packers have really, I feel like they've showcased that the name Aaron is a premier name with oh Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones. <laughs> I mean, that's enough said right there. Jesus. Um, okay. I mean, I can't, I can't agree more with what you guys have already covered. I mean, there's not much more to add. He needed Aaron Rodgers got some years left. Um, he needed another wide receiver, Devontae Adams. Oh, well, they got Devin Funches, Alan Lazard, uh, uh, Valdez Scantling. Um, I felt like they not the dog on Jordan Love. We've already touched on this. I felt like they they could have picked up a, a solid wide receiver, um, in that first round draft pick to to help compliment Devontae Adams and maybe help Aaron Rodgers out a little bit, but they chose not to. So other than that, I don't really have any more to add. Okay. Well then um, we'll go ahead and we'll go into a couple predictions. So what we did with Matt Loopy, we're essentially going to do the same thing with Kevin. Uh, I want to ask you guys, first of all, who's going to be your pick for offensive player of the year from the NFC North. Uh, so Kevin, I'll go ahead. I'll go to you first. Who do you think from the NFC North is going to have either a breakout season or just have an amazing offensive season? Well, I think Allen Robinson is going to have an amazing offensive season, but I think the best player in the NFC North offensively is going to be Dalvin cook asterisk. If he can stay healthy, um, you know, there's a lot of other talented players in the NFC North. That's Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, who burst onto the scene last year, Adam Thielen. But Dalvin Cook, I would almost argue, is the best running back in football. I mean, the way he ran last year, every it was must-watch TV every time he had his hands on the football. So this guy should be the best player offensively in the NFC North if he can stay healthy. But that is it is a huge, huge concern. Um, you know, with those knees and everything that he's got going on, but no excuses for him aside from injury, why he shouldn't be the best offensive player in the NFC North. Yeah, that's a good pick. And I was, I had him on my fantasy team the year that he, uh, messed up his knee. So I was really hurting personally, but yeah, Dalvin cook when he's healthy is a, a special, special, uh, talent. 
Manny, who do you think from the NFC North is going to have a really nice offensive year? I'm going to go with DeAndre Swift, uh, the running back picked up by the Lions. I, um, like I said, I do watch a lot of college ball, um, especially being in Miami. We see a lot of the the uh, SEC. Um, you know, this man here to me has the speed of a cook, but he has the strength, you know, as you know, as the best ones um, that could run between the tackles, which I think if the Lions are going to succeed, they're going to really, really need him and carry on Johnson to carry the load. But I think uh, DeAndre Swift, uh, will definitely be the uh, player, the offensive player in the uh, NFC North. Okay. Aaron, who's your pick? Yeah, initially my thought was Dalvin Cook, but uh, I'm going to go with Aaron Jones. I think this guy's a stud. I think uh, 2019 he proved it. Um, as Kevin mentioned, Dalvin Cook, his health, we'll see how it, how it holds up, but uh, I think – Aaron Jones is going to be involved in the the passing game a lot. Um, And his running is he ran for over a thousand yards last year. He got 16 touchdowns. Um, He almost had 500 receiving yards. Uh, I think this year I anticipate him to get even more receiving yards. I anticipate him to still break that hundred rushing yards. I think he's going to be a big part of the green Bay Packers offense. Okay. So for me, I'm going with Matt Stafford. I'm a Matt Stafford guy. I always have been. Uh, It seems like he's been in the league for a really long time. He's only 32 years old. He's younger than me. Not only by a year, but he's younger than me. After all those sacks? Okay. Yeah, he's only his body might feel like he's you know 42 or 52, but. He's only 32 years old. Matt Stafford has still got a lot of time left in this game to be a really good quarterback. Um, his career, career career completion percentage is 62%. He's thrown for over 41,000 yards. He's thrown for 256 touchdowns. And as we've already mentioned when we were talking about the Lions, they've been a franchise for a really long time that has been pretty terrible. They've been kind of a doormat in the NFL for a long time. And you would think that Matt Stafford would have a lot of losses under his belt, but his career win loss is actually 69, 79 and one. So he's got the one tie, but he only has 10 more losses than he does wins. So Matt Stafford is a really good quarterback. I believe in him. Um, He's got 28 fourth quarter comebacks, 34 game winning drives. I just think he's a really good quarterback that doesn't get as much due as he should. So I think if he can come back this season, and be healthy, um, especially with weapons like Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones Jr., and Danny Amendola, and TJ Hawkinson. I think he's a really good tight end. So he's definitely got some talent around him, and if he can come back and be healthy, I really like him to have a good season. So that's my pick. We'll go ahead and move on to best defensive player. Um, I think I know where this first one's going to go, but Kevin, I'll ask you first, who do you think is going to be the best defensive player from the NFC North? Right on. You obviously know it's going to be Khalil Mack. And, and yep. you know, without yeah. bias, let me just explain. <laughs> yeah, shocker, right? Uh, no, let me just explain. I mean, you know, I mentioned a little bit earlier when we went over the, the kind of review about the Bears. And, and having Robert Quinn on the other side is going to do wonders for Khalil Mack. I think he has an opportunity to have uh, another defensive player of the year type season, uh, similar to what he had in 2018. I mean, this guy was, you know, had, I think was like fifth in the league in pressures last year and was getting triple teamed on every play. So he'll have a guy on the other side 
um, that who will lay off a little bit of the pressure for him. He'll only be, you know, maybe he'll get single blocked every once in a while, which would be lovely to see. So um, there, there is absolutely no reason Kulamak shouldn't be the best NFC, uh, best defensive player in the NFC North. Yeah, I don't think. Uh, I think objectively, everyone would probably agree with you. I don't think there's any bias there. I think that one's a pretty safe pick. Uh, Manny, who's your pick? Oh, my brother Kevin, man. I was going to say Roquan Smith, but then okay. I saw him partying it, uh, down here in Miami with uh, Abella Danger, so that really made me change my mind. <laughs> I was like, nope, this man is definitely not thinking football, so I apologize. Uh, and you actually took my answer, so I'm actually going to go to my second guy. I'm going to go with Cedarius Smith, um, the outside linebacker for the Green Bay Packers. I feel like he's just now shown – what he can be, um, you know, after totaling 13 and a half sacks last season with Green Bay, being in a system that fits him and knowing that he has another Smith brother on the other side, um, I just feel like um, he's going to come back and do what he does best, and that's being able to create havoc in the backfield and get after the quarterback. Okay. Aaron, who do you got? Kevin, he stole it. All right. Yeah. I have a little bit of bias. <laughs> I was like, Nick, don't ask Kevin first to ask me. <laughs> uh, 2017 Christmas, I got a Khalil Mack jersey for the Oakland Raiders. Ooh. In 2018, he was not on the Oakland uh. Raiders. Uh, I mean, we're talking about a guy that is, what, is the only player in NFL history day I get uh elected to the the pro bowl in two positions in the same year with outside linebacker and defensive end this guy is a stud and I think with the like Kevin said with Robert Quinn coming in that's going to take a lot of pressure off Khalil Mack I see him killing it this year uh I can't even pick anybody else I think it's going to be Khalil Mack I think it's going to get he had it with eight and a half sacks last year I see I see that number going up I mean, um, I think in 2018 to the first like four or five games in the season, Khalil Mack's stats were actually better than the whole entire Oakland Raiders defense. Yeah. <laughs> like more touchdowns, more sacks, more deflections. Like it was ridiculous. This guy is amazing. I, I just see him getting better this year with the acquisition of Robert Quinn. Yeah, this one is pretty much a no-brainer. I'm not going to overthink this. It's Khalil Mack. Um We've already said more than enough about him. All I'll say is uh, just a little bit on his resume. He was a 2016 Defensive Player of the Year. He was on the All-Rookie Team in 2014. He's a five-time Pro Bowler and a three-time first-team All-Pro. So um, no-brainer, pretty obvious there. So the last thing we'll do for predictions is not necessarily win-loss. If you guys want to do win-loss, you can. Uh, or if you just want to give you know, how you think the division's going to play out as far as one, two, three, four, but I'd like to have that discussion. So Kevin, I'll go to you first. How do you think this division at the end of 2020 is going to finish? So I'll start from the bottom and I kind of revealed it early, but I do believe the Vikings are going to finish last in the FC North. Shocker. That's I know. a hot take. It's That's a hot take. take, but I mean, me and Manny were kind of going at it, right? When we were talking about what's going on with that Vikings team. And they, you know, people are just not understanding how much they lost. And I think it's going to be shown. So I got the Vikings in fourth, and then I got the Lions in third. Uh, I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs there. I think they'll maybe go seven and nine, maybe get up to eight and eight. But uh, not a playoff team, but a little bit better than I think most people are expecting. 
Second, I'll go with the Packers. And then first, I'll go with the Bears. I mean, I just think that the Bears defense is going to keep them in every game. Uh, if the offense doesn't perform well, they very well could be a 6-10 and 10 team. Um, but, you know, they will be in every game against the better teams in the league, against whoever. They will be have a chance in every game because of that defense. It's just a question of whether Mitch, whether it's Mitch Trubisky or Nick Foles can get the job done. So I see them finishing... 11 and 5, 10, 6. And the Packers, I had I had, I had the Packers at second because, like I mentioned, I mean, they did not do a lot to help their team in the now. Um, I think they were a little bit of a fraudulent 13 and 3 team last year. Uh, you know, they got destroyed by the 49ers in that uh, conference final game. They were not, to me, one of the better teams in the league, although their record was 13 and 3. And again, they, they don't do a lot to help their team in 2020, that fractured relationship between Rodgers and LaFleur in the front office. So I'll go Bears, Packers, Lions, Vikings. That's how the NFC North is going to play out. Okay, Manny, what do you think? I think Manny got disconnected. What? What a There jerk. he is. You know, Manny has this thing, too, where he likes to disconnect his microphone sometimes. Uh yeah, yeah. Manny likes to do this. He's likes it's I think he just wants attention. <laughs> Kevin, I I am very sorry. I don't know what happened there. No uh you're good, Manny. So Kevin right. just gave us his predictions for how he thinks the NFC North is gonna break down top to bottom. Um I was gonna go to you next. So who do you think finishes first, second, third, fourth? Okay. Um actually I'm gonna start from the bottom up. So I have the Minnesota Vikings finishing last in the division. Bye-bye Mike Zimmer in his seventh season. I'm sorry, you didn't do enough. Uh, followed by the Lions. So that's some progress, I guess. They won't be in last place. And listen, I'm not trying to be a person, you know, with magic powers or whatnot, but I truly feel that Nick Foles has something to prove. And I do believe that in the second matchup, I don't know when it is, Kevin. Maybe you can help me here. But in the second matchup with Bears-Packers, the most storied robbery in the National Football League, that second matchup, whenever it is, that will determine the winner of the NFC North. So there you go. There you okay. go. That that second matchup is Week 17. So that could be there we go. final right. week drama. There we go. Yeah. Green Bay or in Chicago? That one is in Chicago. Hmm. There you go. Next season, there you go. Uh, bear weather, as they like to call it. Yeah. <laughs> um, Aaron, I'll go ahead and go to you now. So how do you think the division shakes out? All right. Everybody stop or starting from the bottom up. All right. I, uh, I think the bottom is going to be the Detroit Lions. Never have faith in that team. I don't have faith in Matthew Stafford. Sorry, Nick. Um, yeah, you're a joke. They're Whatever. <laughs> they're gonna finish last. <laughs> I think. I think even, even with all that, the Vikings lost with Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen still coming back. Kirk Cousins, he's hit or miss, but um, the defense will be suffering. But I think it's still gonna be good enough to dominate the Lions. Vikings are gonna finish third. Number two, I think is it's gonna be close, but I'm gonna go ahead and pick the Packers and number one, the Bears. Uh, the Bears, Kevin hit on it too. Bears defense is, I think, going to be astounding this year. Uh, I mean, you look at, it's been one of those topics. Defenses win championships. You look at uh, Denver Broncos back in 2016. You got 
Seattle Seahawks in 2014, the Ravens in 2013. I mean, <clears throat> defenses, uh, the Buccaneers against the Raiders back in, what, 2003 or something. Um, I think that defense is going to drive the Bears to first place in that division. Wow. Okay. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, I'll get you a Matthew Stafford Raiders jersey because he's better than Derek Carr. And, uh, My gosh. Maybe no you'll find out what it's way. like to have a good quarterback. But yeah, anyway, um, since we're starting from the bottom and going up, I'll go ahead and start at the bottom. I think the Lions are going to finish last. Uh, and I don't think that that's uh, indicative of their talent. I think that's a Matt Patricia issue. So they're going to finish in last, followed by the Vikings. Uh, like everyone has noted, they've uh, lost a lot of talent. Um, and I don't know what they're doing there. I'm not a huge believer in Kirk Cousins. So I don't think the Vikings are going to do too much. Followed by the Bears finishing second. And then I have the Packers finishing first. Uh, to be the man, you got to beat the man. I personally think that based on what we saw last season, I don't have any reason to believe that there's a, a big enough reason to think that they're not going to finish first. I, I, Based on what I saw last season and the way their team is constructed right now, I don't think there's enough reason for me to think that they're going to have a significant drop-off. Um, I don't think the Lions can challenge them. I don't think the Vikings can challenge them. And I don't think the Bears can keep up with them. So that's just how I view that one. Um, before we go to our next topic, which is pretty much just Rams focused, um, Kevin, I'll give you the opportunity. If you want, you can hang out with us for a couple minutes. We're going to talk some Rams uniform stuff. If you want to take off, I'll give you a chance. You can take off. It's totally up to you. Uh, yeah, I'll take off. I got something to do right now. So yeah, cool. I appreciate you well, guys having me on though. This was awesome. Really good conversation. Yeah, um, I'm sure we'll do it again sometime. Uh, we appreciate you giving us a little bit of your time and your insight. Uh, I think it was a really good discussion as well. Uh, before you take off, just let us know one more time uh, the name of the podcast, where we can find you on Twitter. Yeah, Bears Nation Podcast. That's the name, at Bears Nation Pod on Twitter. And you can follow me if you would like, at KevCharles112. Just a little warning, there may be a lot of positive Mitch Trubisky posts on that Twitter profile, so <laughs> make sure you're prepared for that if you uh, – if you want to shoot a file, but yeah, thanks again, guys. Uh, really fun conversation. It was a pleasure being on with you guys. Awesome. Thanks, Kevin. Take care, man. All right. See you. So what we'll do is, uh, we'll finish up here. This just happened. Uh, what was it? Two days ago now. I think it was Wednesday morning when this happened. Hours ago. So yeah. this was really weird because, all these other teams in the NFL had like a big sort of announcement or we knew that it was coming and the Rams kept just not saying anything, not saying anything. And then out of the blue on Wednesday morning, it was like, Hey guys, new Rams uniforms are here, which was really weird because it seemed like they were setting up some sort of special release or announcement. And out of nowhere on a random Wednesday morning, they just decided, Hey guys, new Rams uniforms, check it out. Um, I think it might have had something to do with the fact that Jared Goff on Tuesday night was talking to someone on a Twitch stream and someone had asked him on the Twitch stream, Hey, when are the new jerseys coming out? And he was just kind of casually was like, Oh yeah, I think it's sometime this week. So I think that might've sped up the timeline a little bit. Um, but you know, 
Manny, what was your thought on just the drop itself on just kind of a random Wednesday morning? Did that seem odd to you at all? It was very odd, very random. I was definitely not expecting it. I mean, here I am on the East Coast just um, because I actually work for the county. So obviously I'm an essential worker um, at a park. So here I am just, you know, walking, you know, just doing my rounds, you know, walking around the park or whatnot. And then all of a sudden my phone starts to buzz and I look at it and it says Rams release uniforms. I'm like, you have got to be kidding. Because, you know, this is something, you know, here on the mob squad in Rams Nation, we've been talking about it. We've been discussing it. We've been waiting for it. And for it to all of a sudden not have a set time and date, I thought was um, not right at all. But of course, you know, during times like this, uh, you know, we shouldn't be surprised by surprise things, right? Um, you know, and I, listen, I thought the video introduction that the team did was pretty cool. Uh, they went back all the way from the beginning, um, the beginning jerseys and whatnot. And then, you know, year by year, by year, by year, by year. Um, I thought the one that they did for the 99 with Kurt Warner, with the whole, with the whole Super Bowl logo on it, I thought was pretty cool. And then we get to the end and, you know, I just wasn't wowed. <laughs> um, I, I wasn't, um... I don't know. I, not that I was shocked by it. I, you know, it's something like I just said, we were waiting for it. I just expected more like a, mm, and instead we got a blah, you know what I mean, Nick? I just, yeah. oh, it was, I don't know. Yeah. You know, Aaron, what, what was your first thought when you just kind of, I mean, I don't know if it was like me, but what was your first thought when you just saw kind of like a news headline that was like, Hey, Rams release uniforms. Did that kind of catch you off guard? Were you expecting a little bit more? Uh, it didn't, it did catch me off guard. I was like, holy crap. Uh, okay. They got their new uniforms released. Let me uh, open this and see. I, I, yeah, I got the notification on my phone. I think it was like uh, 30 minutes before Manny actually sent us a message with his thoughts on it. Uh, I just hadn't opened it yet. Um, my first opinion when I saw the Rams un- new uniforms was, um, I'm kind of bored with them. They, there's nothing very exciting about them. I mean, the new the helmets, the the chrome, like the blue, the the new horn logo. I would say the helmets are the best part of the new uniform, but the 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 numbering scheme, like the, it just looks blah. It looks boring. Yeah, blah. Like what how Manny said. I, there's not a whole lot of, of flair to it. Um, it just looks it looks kind of soft. Uh, it, it looks boring. It's not exciting. I'd say out of the uniform, the bone the bone on bone uniform is the best one, and it doesn't even to me relate. Like I don't have a connection with the Rams with that uniform. It just looks like the coolest one out of all of them because the other ones just look kind of boring, and that one looks different. Um, uh, I'm I'm definitely disappointed with a lot of aspects of where the Rams went this offseason with this new logo and uh, and their uniforms. I felt like there was a lot better options out there, and it's what we're stuck with for a while. Yeah, um, I know I was taken off guard kind of by the random Wednesday morning release. It wasn't, I guess, as bad as the Chargers who did theirs at like 6.30 in the morning on like a Tuesday or whatever, but... At least the Chargers uniforms are really nice. These ones, um, I don't like them at all. Uh, I, 
I, I don't want to spend too much time on it because I'll just keep talking more and more negative stuff, and I don't want to do that. Um, I had really high hopes for the new logo. They really disappointed me. Everyone in the background was saying, I've seen the jerseys. They're really awesome. You guys are going to love them. So I kept hearing that, and I kept hearing that, and I bought into it, and I was like, okay, our new logo sucks, but as long as our new uniforms are cool, then I'm good with it. Um, and they, the thing that makes it even worse is they really didn't have to do that much. The Rams already had a really awesome uniform. The blue on gold is a timeless classic look that looks phenomenal. Agreed. So, Agreed. yeah, so they really didn't have to do that much. So it was like I wasn't expecting anything drastic. I was expecting a couple subtle changes, maybe a couple different combos, and that was about it. But instead, we got this, like, I don't know, junior college sort of, like, I don't know. MLS squad type of jersey. Yeah, it's – it's um With a freaking patch now, like – Yeah, they, they know, have dude. these weird patches yeah, that almost look like name tags. Um, I've seen people yeah. on Twitter compare them to, like, an Ikea uniform or, like, a Best Buy uniform, which I definitely mm-hmm. see. Um, we've already <laughs> – we've already talked about the Falcons New Jersey's um, I think Aaron was like the only one that really liked the gradient look. I personally don't like the gradient look, and that's exactly what they did with these numbers. So it goes from the, I guess you could call it the bone color, and then it goes up to like the yellow, and then it's even got some of the same sort of thing on the piping, on the pants. Um, it's got a gradient look as well. So there's a lot about these uniforms that I do not like. Um, in summary... The only thing I do like is the color scheme. I'm glad that they at least kept the blue and the gold as like the main sort of color scheme because I like that. Um, but other than that, literally everything else about these I do not like. Um, yeah, Nick, um, I just to add on what you said, this whole fading of the numbers thing, I I still have I still haven't wrapped my head around it. Like I don't have an issue with the bone. But the classic home with the royal and gold, why does there have to be a fading from the bottom number going up? I don't understand that. And especially with the classic helmet, I understand your logo has a gap, but you don't have to do that with the helmet itself. And just for you to cut it off, listen, I know fans have have moved on two days later and said, oh, listen, I love it. It's great. But listen, we've we've, we've seen this team from the beginning until now. And that was something that has, that was never changed. So why do it now? I, I just think they wanted to go a little bit overboard. It's LA. And unfortunately it just feels like once again, we failed at something this season, you know, and it's on, it's very unfortunate, you know, it's, it's those little details. Like we were just talking about the fading of the numbers, the gap on the horns on the helmet, that patch, on the right side, we don't need to see that it's that it, we don't need to know that it's the LA Rams by having a patch that says Rams or LA Rams. I don't understand the whole concept of it. You know, like I wish I can get into Kevin's head and just sit at a table and be like, okay, let me see your ideas, Nike. Let me see what you've come up with. And if I see this, I'm like, this is what you've come up with for all this after all this time. I'm like, who are you trying to convince? You know, and I think our ambassador Eric Dickerson said it perfectly it makes us look soft oh yes yeah I, I thought it was funny when aaron said they look <laughs> soft because that was exactly yeah. what eric dickerson said he said they look yeah. soft 
Um, and I agree. They they totally look like some kind of like junior college or some like create a team on Madden. Like they don't look like a professional football team to me. A poorly um, created team I, off Madden. And I will say too to defend yeah. myself really quick. The Falcons gradient wasn't the numbers; it was the uniform itself. I thought looked cool. I don't think this gradient on the numbers looks cool at all. It's like they got this boring color scheme design. Like everything about the uniforms is kind of boring. And then they try to throw in this gradient number and it makes it look like it just makes it look worse. I don't like this scheme at all. The first thing that came to my mind when I saw these was the old, they're not really that old because the, the bucks literally just got rid of them. But the Buccaneers jerseys, when they came out with their change and they kind of had like that digital clock kind of look. And they had all these weird color accents on the shoulders and color accents on the pants. And like, it looked really terrible. It looked like some futuristic, lame XFL gimmick uniform. And that's exactly what I'm getting from this. It looks gimmicky. It looks soft. Um, it doesn't feel traditional. It doesn't feel rams to me at all so it's really disappointing um i certainly am not going to be buying any sort of jersey like this or any rams logo with any of this stuff on it at all um and from what i saw on twitter the majority of rams fans did not like this i know there's a small section that are kind of just whatever the rams do they're cool with and they love it um eric dickerson made his point pretty well known he wasn't happy about it um i know all the current players are doing what they have to do i don't expect the current players to come out and say yeah these suck so obviously the current players are going to come out and say how great they are so all the players are saying they're great um and then jim everett came out and said that he thought they were pretty good too so it's uh i think it's more than 50 50 i'd say the people that don't like them is, is probably outnumbering the people that do like them but they're stuck with these for at least the next three to five years. So you kind of have to just move on and deal with it and hope that at some point they'll listen to the fans and, and realize that these aren't that good. And we're kind of the laughing stock now. Um, so it kind of is what it is. We just have to deal with it and move on. Um, I thank God for Aaron Donald being on this football team. If not, I wouldn't watch a single snap. <laughs> so uh, I think we had a really good productive episode. I think this was a, a lot of good discussion. Um, the next episode, I believe we're actually going to be getting into uh, some NFC South. So be on the lookout for that. We'll talk about, you know, the saints, the new look Buccaneers Panthers um, should be a good discussion. Yeah, so should be another really good discussion. Um, as always, you can find us on Twitter at Mob Squad Pod. Uh, Manny, I know you. Uh, it's what is it, Manny? Manny C underscore seventeen. Right, I know you had changed and, it at some yeah. point, so I want to get it right. And please, guys, make sure to follow us on uh, Rams Nation LAX as well. Right. And then Aaron's at American Airhead. He's still learning the Twitter ropes. I haven't had a chance to have like a one-on-one session with him and teach him the Twitter ropes, but we'll get him I, there. I retweeted for the first time a couple days ago. So Yeah, and he was like up. legit, I think, nervous about it. It was really funny. Um, I was, yeah. I love guys, so one last comment before we go on this sure. pod. Listen, um, listen, ever since we've started, it's been one one heck of a ride. It's been and it's, it's just been awesome to just be able to do this 
um, week in and week out. Um, listen, the offseason seems like it's come and gone. The draft is done. Our new logo is done. The new uniforms, whether we like them or not, is done. Now it's just time to put it all together, man, and it's time to go out there. And if we have ball, great. Uh, let's go out there and win some games, man. Yeah, the uh, L.A. has already kind of said that there's a possibility that this uh, stay-at-home order for them is extended further and further. So um, I guess there's a possibility of the Rams not even playing in California or in L.A. So, yeah, so it's going to be really interesting to see how the season plays out. There's still a lot of unknowns. So um, thanks for listening, guys. As always, we appreciate it, and uh, we'll see you next time.